All right, we're going to do Dunked On a little bit early because we actually got some good news today. The NBA is set to approve tomorrow a plan for 22 teams to restart. And what we want to do is look at some of the pros and cons of the approach that they picked. Then we're going to get into at least some mailbag questions. We may have to save some of them for next time now since we got this news already before recording. But what are they doing, Danny? They are bringing back 22 of the 32 teams and each of those 20 22 teams is going to play eight what we're calling regular season games and they're the nba is maintaining the conference structure not in terms of who teams play in that quote-unquote regular season but in terms of seeding and playoff brackets and all that then what happens is you you play those that you play everybody plays those eight games then if a team is with if, if the ninth seed is within four games of the eighth seed they will play up to a two-game elimination but the way it works is the eighth seed just has to win one of the two and the ninth seed has to win both so in the east that is uh and then it seems seems like it's going to be best of sevens after that at least as of now that's it we don't know that for sure but that kind of feels like based on the timelines we're getting that's probably where we're going with it maybe a best of five in the first round in yeah. the east to, just to lay out where things are right now because remember they're only playing eight games and also important we'll talk about this a lot i think there's a lot more intrigue in the within the eight seating within the eight rather than who gets in and that's going to be in play as well so we'll, we can talk about some what some of those are but in the east washington is currently five and a half games behind the orlando magic and six games behind the brooklyn nets which means they basically have to win out and one of those teams has to lose out to jump to the eight but they just have to be a couple they have to be a couple games better to make it to four to theoretically get into the elimination format whereas in the west right now memphis has a three and a half game lead on everybody else who's coming in but there are three teams that are three and a half behind the blazers the pelicans and the kings the spurs are four behind and then the suns are also in this and they are six behind so the way i want to look at it now is obviously this restart has goals and there are a number of those some of those are working at cross purposes uh, to one another but clearly to me the first goal of this is safety and to which you can also add in actually being able to pull this off and complete the season without too many people getting sick from COVID-19 that you can't complete the season anymore so scale of one to ten among the realistic options because obviously you know just playing a one game between the Lakers and the Bucks for the championship would have been the safest option so you you know they weren't going to do that I don't think there was any idea that they're going to have less than just a normal playoff structure so scale of one to ten what grade do you give the league on the safety aspect of this solution that they came up the only way to me that it could get more than a one would be if you think that 30 teams coming back was a realistic alternative i think this was the most that they could do unless they did the concept that i've talked about of like a loser's bracket where all those teams played enough games to fulfill the tv contract but that at least could have done been done separately the big problem here is you have all 22 teams in the same place and something that we've seen i mean this is more like being in the same room as somebody but the amount of time that you're spending and the amount of variance that brings in so this is 22 teams and whatever else you know whatever member fit people can come along even if it's just staff if family members can't come until the playoffs but then remember so yeah eliminating that debt to get from 22 to 16 and then all of them are there for full playoffs after that so you're getting more teams for a lot longer so i think it's about as unsafe as the league could have done yeah other than just having all 30 teams come back i mean that would have added even more personnel because yeah the 
more people there and the more people or the longer you have them there the bigger a chance that somebody is gonna screw up and or maybe they won't even screw up and it just you know that's just the vagaries of it you you're trying everything you can to test someone and the first test comes back negative and then so, someone else gets it from them and you know because there's a, a certain amount of time before a test is going to be positive and there's a false negative rate with these tests uh, as well yeah I, I don't think they did that great of a job particularly where you're also going to have intermingling among all these teams during the regular season you know there's not really any kind of sequestering it seems like the one thing that i will give them high marks on is the reporting seems to indicate that families will not be joining the teams until maybe like the conference finals at the earliest that seems to be the general tenor of the reporting and i think that that actually that fact might actually make up for the fact that you have more teams and more time being used up here with the regular season because it's just if it's all players now you can really lock in a little bit more on if not totally keeping control i mean there's been well, kind but of this he, pushback but yeah go ahead, i will do, i will sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but I, I i wanted to get this point out before i forget it you know this far better than i do with your research bringing in people midstream because remember the uh, the original idea was that everybody would be in the bubble the whole time if family's coming in part way then that means there there's a potential for exposure there too yeah and and we don't know the details of all the testing that they're going to do and how people are going to be sequestered and are they going to be sitting close to each other on the bench and you know we we don't know the details of any of that stuff yet and the league i think has been purposefully and legitimately vague on that because they're going to try to follow the evolving science and come up with the final version of their protocol as early as possible and they also don't want to just there's no benefit to the league coming out and saying here's what we're doing and then having a month and a half for the public to dissect this and and put an emphasis on how they're not doing enough i think you just say we're going to do it and then uh maybe you just make it clear what the protocol is at least publicly shortly before that so 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 i I, I totally understand that i went with a two what would you go with in terms of the health safety perspective if in fact they are gonna hold off on having families there and i I appreciate the coming in midstream i imagine that anyone who's going to be staying with the players is also going to be tested um i'd go a little higher than that i'd go like maybe a three and a half or a four um you know within the real realistic options um so kind of what kind of annoys me though is okay i think you did sacrifice on safety a little bit you added these extra six teams in you know if, if we're gonna say that okay the the minimum number you would have needed was 16 and and that basically if you have fewer than 16 teams it's not really just worth doing from an economic standpoint then adding these extra six teams and especially like the suns who just have no chance or the wizards who don't have much of a, of a chance and then also the fact that it's something we talked about before of just portland new orleans like your eight games under 500 like i don't want to hear you complaining about how it wasn't you didn't have a fair chance to make the playoffs like you're not some world beating team over the course of the year where you know this isn't the 48 win suns in 2014 that we're talking about here that's gonna be missing the playoffs so um but where i actually think that they really failed was this isn't particularly entertaining you know this is i mean you'll you might have the play and like that'll that could be interesting you know and and, but even that is not going to be winner take all you're going to have the eighth seed with this substantial advantage where they only have to win once and the ninth seed has to win twice 
So you're not getting the excitement of a play-in tournament. You're not really getting the league a chance to experiment with some other structures. You're not getting anything where it's like a 30-team tournament where it really could have been that that interesting. Uh, You're not doing this group stage thing. You're just going to be playing out these regular season games, which at least in theory will mean something, although there are going to be teams who are going to be eliminated very, very quickly, uh, especially because, say, a team like the Wizards every other team that's going to be in this which is the only teams are going to be playing is better than them right and so so like you know if you're five games behind the nets well that means you have to win at least five of your eight games <laughs> to, to well i guess they can get within four games i guess that that's the uh so yeah I, I guess they only have to beat the nets by what you know two games or something but still i mean that's hard to do i mean they might not even win two games against the schedule right like you know they're not going to have home games with the other team all tired from a back-to-back or anything like they may not even win a game um and then they could end up going into the tank same thing with phoenix who pelton did a hundred simulations and phoenix didn't even make the ninth seed in any of those uh because they're they're of two games behind the Spurs well, who are also going to be there. You're focusing on the bottom, and I think that's fair in terms of competitiveness. I'm actually concerned about the top, too, because remember, we're going conference by conference now, so there's not a top 16 or anything like that. Milwaukee is six and a half games clear of Toronto. They are going to be treating this basically to just keep their guys healthy and to go to 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 get to yeah. be the best they that, can that might be the only chance for teams like the wizard <laughs> well yeah it might be but but so that changes the competitive balance significantly and also these circumstances are going to be changing and i i've complained about all the time about how you know like when you face a team matters a lot there that's going to be so huge in this because maybe you face the suns on game one where they still think they're into it or something else or maybe you face them in game eight and they're checked out and they're just you know trying not to get injured or Maybe some of their potential free agents are looking for an opportunity to shine. But also the Bucks, uh, another big concern is they'll, I don't think they need to be worried about being amped up for the beginning of the first round either because they can, they can do a tune-up. Now, the Lakers don't have necessarily that same luxury. They do have a five and a half game lead on the Clippers, but they, but they'll be facing, I would say, a significantly more viable team in the first, in the first round of the playoffs. And so they'll need to be up for that. Another yeah, thing I, I, I do so, think the teams will be just to react to that no, last go. point. I do think the teams are going to be trying to really ramp up so that they are operating 100% by the beginning of the playoffs. Like I I don't fear that these best teams. I mean maybe they would take like one game off, you know, if they're like okay, everyone looks awesome, Giannis looks great, Middleton looks great, nobody got hurt, we're playing at a high high enough level. We feel really good about where we're at. Okay, we'll take the last game off. But I mean I would be surprised if Giannis missed more than one game unless there's some sort of an injury issue yeah i'm thinking more about how hard you're revving the engine and how long you how long you play them like i could i could see you know if if budenholzer were asking my opinion i would probably be playing Giannis like 24 minutes a game you know just 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 enough to make sure that he's in rhythm and he's playing only six minutes less than he usually plays but it's true yeah but it makes Um, it but it makes a difference but what i wanted to get into is there is this weird wrinkle of having regular season games and it affects seating, and I'd like to talk a little bit about that. But also remember, this affects voting for awards, and that can affect contracts and can affect numerous other things. And so how do these eight games affect maybe not the MVP race, because I think at least I would hope that most people have a pretty firm understanding of where that is, but like all NBA teams, all defensive teams, and those can be big incentives in players' contracts. Is there going to be a new insane form of recency bias where if somebody you know just dominates 
dominates those eight games against teams that, you know, are, are coming out of this long hiatus that they then all of a sudden get into this different place or will some people just they don't they're not they're not doing as well or their shots just aren't falling in the sample and it hurts them yeah i'm not as worried about that one personally just with with the awards i mean it's my guess actually would be that people are going to default more towards what happened before. Um, I mean, I guess, like, like I don't, I don't want to be too negative. This. I mean, one nice thing I think is that you're going to have at least you don't have to watch the eight the eight worst teams in the league. Well, and there's going to be a lot of basketball. Like that's exciting. Even if a couple games yeah. end up not being good, and that I think is uh, so. I want to talk about the seating, but I think the next thing I want to talk about is the the revenue part of this. And it, well, I, I, I'm not quite done with this yet. Oh, we sorry. also have to give this a rating. Um, I mean, it is good that we're going to have a full playoff. You know, that's, yes, 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 that's yes. something that I, that I give them credit for. And I'm glad that basketball is going to be back. Um, I'm glad that they didn't go like if they'd done all 30 teams and they'd done some sort of a tournament, that would have been cool. I think it would have been higher entertainment value to kind of just give these teams at the bottom a little bit more of a fresh start especially memphis i think they've yeah they're three games three and a half games ahead of portland but their schedule was so much harder down the end compared to a team like new orleans where you know i mean memphis is basically would have to completely implode you know even if they win like two games i think you know they're pretty much going to be in at least the eighth or the ninth seed for sure um and if they get the eighth seed then you know you have this massive advantage where you only have to win one of the two games to advance um so but yeah i mean to have a full real playoffs at the end of this that's really good like i'm glad that we're having that so i I think ultimately i would give them like a five but i was hoping if they were going to compromise a little more on the safety that they could have come up with something cooler than you know kind of all right we're going to just do eight regular season games here um so what is your uh, i would give them a five what would you give them for entertainment i'll go with seven but yeah. it's almost all of that all of that weight is on having an actual playoffs like that i i'm not i mean i'll be invested in the in the regular season games because it's our because it's our job and some of them will be really fun and we're going to learn a lot you know it's kind of like a, a second preseason is kind of the way that i'm thinking about about it except that they count as regular season games so that'll be exciting especially compared to what preceded it for b- basketball perspective but oh yeah i mean if you're talking about how the entertainment value compared to sitting on my ass here at home for the past four months yeah it's yeah. like a hundred out of ten but but having <laughs> but having seven game series is that's good you know it'll it'll ramp up the stakes and that will be really exciting and you know some of these categories flow together for me but i will be really excited for that and the the but what decreases it why it's a seven and not something like a ten or something is that they didn't as you said add any of the the real wrinkles that would have made this fun in the early stages that could have been group stage it could have been a play-in tournament with real stakes and and that is fascinating but or like my my idea not not that i created it but what i advocated for of having top teams choose their opponents it doesn't sound like that's going to be a part of this and they're working on what advantages home court teams could have but if that's not on the table like that's the most material one they could do and it sounds like that is not being seriously considered which is a disappointment because that you know that that would be not only from an entertainment standpoint but from a logistical standpoint would be really exciting to see how it to see how it worked in this sort of a setting so yeah that's a little bit disappointing um which category do you yeah, want to is there any to? way they could like bring dick bavetta out of retirement and just like tell him that one team is the home team and maybe that's how you <laughs> give the home team the advantage <laughs> oh lord um 
So fairness is the other thing that I thought of. And I think this is relatively fair if you're trying to say, hey, you know, we we had this regular season. That's supposed to mean something. You've accomplished X, Y, and Z. Um, it's fair to me if you are of the belief that everyone had an equal schedule before that. But clearly that's not the case. You know, especially the the gap between the Grizz well, and the Pell. So that's, so that's interesting. I was thinking of fairness compared to the other options. And I think this is about as fair as they could have done relative to the other, the other yeah, things. Yeah, if were you're trying to preserve the regular season. Yeah, right. I, like, I to me, or, or skipping the whole regular season would have been, like, skipping the remainder of that would have been less fair to a team like the, the Blazers or the Pelicans, because at least now they have a chance, even if it's a weaker chance than yeah. they could have in another system. And retaining the existing conference structures and the existing records and all that is more fair. Like, that was something that could have been a big problem with the group stage idea, was that if it ended up being a non-representative sample, and so the let's say the Dallas Mavericks like let's say the Mavericks for whatever reason they were a little bit cold in those eight games and all of a sudden they're out when they went 40 and 27 and some you know some team that was eight games under 500 gets in instead of them that would have been really unfair and I, I think that you in those circumstances it is good to rely on it and the other part of fair that I think is fair about this is that these games matter for seeding and so that you know, some of these situations like in the middle of the west are going to resolve themselves and i think that that gives these games a little bit more stakes i think that it's less interesting on the top and the bottom and it's more interesting in the middle and i think it's fair to have that be another part of resolving this that it's not just based on the you know 60 some odd game sample that we had before the hiatus yeah i guess if you if you're saying that the fairest thing is to sanctify what came before in the regular season while still also giving these teams something to play for yeah you know all right i think they did a decent job with that it's a seven or eight I, I mean i think to me at least fairness and entertainment are antithetical to one another and so <laughs> the most entertaining thing would be you know march madness yeah i, I mean you, you you bring these i mean i would want to see a seven game series obviously in the playoffs you know but but like the most entertaining thing would be everybody's got an equal chance when we start this off here because then it's just it's just more interesting that way when more teams uh, have a chance to do it but it if you're going to protect the the fairness then some teams that's becoming from a deficit as we talked about um uh, i want to one more yeah. thing on fairness i i think that the biggest demerit and i'm going with an eight so i'm giving it a pretty high score there yeah. is within the realm i don't think it looks like they're doing enough to reward top teams when you acknowledge that the, the advantages they're not getting in this so they're not getting home court they're not getting rest advantages they're not getting travel advantages sleeping in their own beds nobody's doing that and we will get a, a test of of how important those things are we're getting that as well in the Bundesliga and 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 some of the other sports as they return but that is a pretty important thing to me because the reason teams to the extent that they do try in the regular season is because there are real benefits to it and you could say that this is a non-representative thing that the hope is that we will never go through something like this again and the teams didn't know it at the start and it affected everybody basically equally you know they they nobody gained with the system because they knew a stoppage was coming and this was and there was going to be no home court advantage but i i, I do think that it would have been fit more fair you know bump it up to a nine or a 10 if they if they had more significant steps in this process than we know right now and maybe they'll figure something out that we haven't heard yet to reward those teams so that it, it isn't just like totally worthless that the the clippers finished 44 and 20 and the nuggets finished 43 and 22 in the pre-hiatus time. yeah well i mean the lakers are the ones hurt the most by this because in a series against the clippers they're not gonna have home court advantage for all seven games <laughs> anymore um, that's true how about just from a making money standpoint i think it's pretty close to a 10 
10. Probably a 9, just because all 30 would have theoretically generated more money. And that seems to be, to me, the reason that they, the reason that this structure took hold is that you get a lot of games, you get to fulfill, I don't know all the exact terms, but you get to be closer to fulfilling the regional sports network contracts. You, the, and that is a, that is a big financial boon for both the owners and the players because the players get half of that roughly. And that also means that it could simplify some of the calculus. Bobby Marks had a piece on this for how they, you know, for, for future seasons, that if it's a little bit less of a deficit, maybe that makes it easier. They're still going to have to have some negotiations there. But what concerns me from the revenue perspective, I thought that Henry Abbott did a really good job of this in the True Hoop newsletter, is... I think this squares up, you know, there was this quote that Adam Silver used, which was originally Bob Iger's quote from a Disney thing, but from maybe it was from the Board of Governors before that, of it's about the data, not the date. And when I think about this timing and I think about what the league wants to do, it seems to me like they just waited as long as they could to do what they wanted to do. And they couldn't really wait any longer than this and do what they wanted. So that's why it's coming now. Well, it's also coming now because they can get all the testing that they need. And and there's at least a governmental statement, at least as things are now. We'll see how Florida evolves over the next month and a half. It doesn't seem to be going in a positive direction right now. I think they had their most cases since April. But, you know, we got to see more on that, which direction it's going. But I think that's part of it. I think that's just generally other things are reopening. And so there's a thought that they can reopen so they've got some political cover to do it as well i mean i agree with you they're gonna have to just rely on testing and bubbleizing because there's just too much community spread right now to feel safe that you're just fine starting this um but i mean that was that's gonna be the case for the next 10 months here in the u.s so uh is either not start for 10 months or you know do this now and that's it everybody else is starting other businesses are starting i don't think that it's immoral to try to start especially because they're gonna be in a better situation situation than just about any other businesses with the resources that they're throwing and the lack of interaction that they're hopefully going to be able to have outside of this permeable bubble so um and and they preserved as much this was the way to preserve as much money as they realistically could yes i think and not just like completely make it ridiculous from a safety standpoint of teams that have absolutely no chance to win anything being there and and risking shutting the whole thing down um i still think though my ultimate takeaway on this is that it seems like this is mostly about trying to please everyone at least to some degree so the fewest people were going to complain as opposed to like okay let's really take a chance to do the absolute best thing right it's like okay it's as close to the regular season as we can do teams like phoenix probably really wanted to be in it some of these teams really wanted to be in it so we're gonna buy their vote by letting them be in it here and at least pretend like they have a chance of winning which phoenix doesn't and uh washington maybe it could at least get into the playoff playing game and so i do think they compromised on safety to kind of make everyone happy and make a little bit more money in the regular season and i guess the the other thing you can say too is that if you're going to have this quote-unquote regular season which might have been necessary for tv contracts no one seems to have actually seen these things that you had to create some kind of drama for the rest of the regular season other than just where everyone's going to be seated among the eight teams that we already know are in so you have to create at least some sort of drama there so i understand why i ended up this way i i just wish that it could have been a little bit more provocative and entertaining if they were going to compromise on the safety aspect which i i still think they're going to do a good job you know I don't, i'm not like oh my god this is just a 
a travesty and you're you're gonna get people killed and all that uh i there's certainly more of a chance that this is not gonna work and there's more of a chance of, of that happening but uh i don't think this is like so egregious to have 22 teams instead of 16 but they definitely are taking more of a risk like the, there's just that's just the math they are and something that concerns me on from the risk perspective and you can speak to this better than i can probably after i had circulated is it seems like the timeline here is really tight and then yeah because we didn't say this but uh the reporting is that the seventh game of the nba finals will be october 12th yeah and it looks like the draft and free agency will come pretty close behind it in a normal timeline but what happens if somebody tests positive and they're like you know there needs to be a quarantine for two weeks i don't think there's that kind of flexibility in the schedule and then does that mean does that just screw up everything and that you know waiting as long as you can and then trying to jam pack it as much as you can that doesn't leave much room for variance and when have you know let's say 3500 people that are going to be at some point in this bubble unfortunately there's there's a lot of variance that comes from that and that is i i just wanted to throw that out there it's not anything that i want to have happen but it is something i'm a little bit concerned about yeah and when the details come in we'll see i mean if they're if we're going to say okay we're going to have two assistant coaches here and that's it and you know the traveling party is really going to be stripped down and you know owners aren't even going to be allowed to be in there unless they're in the bubble and you know if they're really gonna be serious about this uh, that'll make me feel a lot better um let's take another quick break here and then we can uh start doing a little mailbag why don't we do this we got a bunch of questions here that don't actually relate to specific teams so uh, or specific teams in conferences so why don't we hit those this time around and then our next episode we'll just do the full western conference mailbag uh where do you want to start with this group here oh let's start with this one from um das debt tweeter uh what's feeling the decision for free agents to sign in the west over the east and i would say a big underrated part of this you and i talk about it more because that's how we're focused is that they're better run organizations and that means you often get to play with better teammates and have a better chance of winning a championship and you know Kawhi leonard sure he could have stayed in there are other factors you know Kawhi leonard and paul george were from the greater los angeles area wanted to go back there but if the clippers were a poorly run team they would have been a lot less interested and so having the knicks be a disaster be of in in so many ways shapes and forms over the last 20 years has really been a big factor there and then you have other franchises like i mean san antonio got lamarcus aldridge he's not the same caliber as some of those other stars but they were really run well-run organization and it was a a good opportunity for him so i think i think that's a big a big part of it but i mean remember that kevin durant and kyrie irving both chose to go to an eastern conference team and kevin durant probably would have done that even if he hadn't gotten hurt and imagine how big of a deal that would have been and lebron when he first the first time he had the opportunity to change teams and did he did so to a, to an eastern conference team as well so i agree with all that you said let's do a little exercise here if you don't mind please, please pull up the standing just so we have all the teams in front of us let's start with we're gonna rank one through 15 in each conference our desirability just on the the market itself as a place to live to an nba player of these cities because my thesis will see as we really go through it is that the west just also has like more desirable markets overall as places to live I and mean, there's a reason why overall in the united states we've seen this flight to the sun belt over the last 40 years so let's start here 
uh la lakers i would say is number one market in the west clippers are two. what would you say it is in the east miami if we're talking solely about where players it's i mean it seems like players really want to be there great weather yeah okay but but la lakers that's definitely better right yes i'd probably say either golden state or la clippers is is number two in the west yeah i'd, I'd say clipper i'd say it's probably clippers versus knicks yeah i mean in la again i mean people that la is where everybody in the nba makes their offseason home these days so gonna i mean that's two now for the west third probably the bay area the golden state warriors and then yeah brooklyn probably brooklyn third <laughs> yeah yeah i guess I, I guess that would be it right so i mean i think definitely golden state over over brooklyn especially from a weather standpoint there's also the the whole silicon valley investing thing that I, I think there are a lot of players though who would prefer brooklyn it just it just depends yeah. i mean one high profile yeah, one just I, did. yeah from it's yeah people are from the east coast it, it, that, that one's close um and I think this is the start of the area where you, your point gets your point gets a lot stronger. Yeah, I mean, so so you still, I, I guess this is probably a faster way to do this, but like in the West of just like desirable cities for NBA players to be in, I think you could say above below the ones we already mentioned, Houston, Dallas. Phoenix is actually a very desirable market when the team isn't just atrocious. Like it used to really get a lot of free agents in Phoenix. Well, and again, off-season homes. You know, a lot of there are players yeah. who make their home in, in Phoenix. Though that's also true for Atlanta, and Atlanta hasn't pulled free agents either. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, but so I mean, I think they're just in the East. I mean, they're they're to me are just more places where it's like. Oh, we, and then also we, another we thing also could have mentioned that, Chicago as another another high profile. Yeah, market. yeah. I mean, there's never been a huge free agent draw there. Sure, but also I think the other thing too that you can add is in the East historically a lot of the less desirable markets have also generally had like pretty bad teams as well. Whereas at least in the West, Utah or OKC or the Spurs, like those have all been like good organizations as well. Yes. So that kind of uh, getting back to your original point. So, um, all right, next one. Jazz Lifer asks, you would have to argue that crowdless games make it even more likely that the most talented team wins the title this year, right? Considering that there won't be home court advantage of any kind. What do you think of that? I would agree with that in the abstract where that was the only thing that changed. However, we are in the process of a really long, unprecedented hiatus where players, the about amount of time they've gotten to train, their, you know, the the injuries and everything else are are going and then we're going into this totally different circumstance where you know health could be is going to be variable how much training guys can do and so in the abstract if the only difference were crowdless games i would agree with that but i think the health and fitness and just so many other things changing brings more uncertainty to this and makes it so it's a little bit less a little bit less likely to me than but i I totally see the argument i think there's soundness to it i just see it a little differently so one big argument against anthony's point is the fact that generally not always but generally the more talented team has home court advantage so for the more talented team to lose home court advantage it's rare that the less talented team has home court advantage so you're actually giving the more talented team more of a boost when there is a home court advantage in most circumstances so that i think would militate against what he's talking about um but one thing that i really like about this a a lot of people are fretting about the quality of play and 
I reserve the right to change my opinion on this if we see guys come back and they're just like, man, they just haven't been able to work out. They look awful. But think of all the players now who are going to be able to come back from injury who wouldn't have been able to play in the playoffs, like maybe like Justice Winslow or Nurkic or Zach Collins or Ben Simmons. And then you throw in the fact that everyone I think is going to be pretty fresh. Like you're, there just isn't a whole 82 game regular season for dudes to get worn down and injured before the playoffs and i think you'll be able to see the best players maybe even playing more minutes assuming that they're able to stay in some kind of shape and you know they're gonna have a good i mean it's gonna be close to four weeks right before they uh actually start the season so i think they'll have time to get back in shape and if you look for example at second spectrum data zach Lowe, uh i think talked about this on a podcast maybe a year ago that data indicates that over the first like 10 games of the season that's when players actually have the most energy and cover the most ground even more so than in the playoffs even when they're supposedly playing harder in the playoffs their bodies are just so worn down that they're not able to play as hard as they are at the beginning i generally think that the quality of play in the first couple weeks of the season is usually pretty good everyone thinks they have a chance everyone's trying um also they're gonna have you know nothing else to do except focus on basketball so i actually am optimistic that the quality of play is gonna be pretty high and so i do agree with jazz lifer's point on this that i think we're gonna see more players both available and playing at their best than you get in a typical playoff situation do you, a- do you agree with that or do you think it's just guys so many guys are going to pull their hamstrings on the restart or whatever or just are going to be out of shape that it's just going to be no good i'm leaning towards the not necessarily out of shape but out of basketball specific shape like oh this, sure this yeah. is just so i mean there are a lot of players who haven't you know touched a ball for for as long and they do have some time now to 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 get into that or haven't shot at a hoop and my i just my brain goes more towards that direction than the recurring injuries I, it's the answer is it's going to be both i just think that the rust rust will beat rest in this case and i'm but i i think it's really close to a coin flip and i'm intrigued by which way that ends up turning yeah like i said i reserve my right to change my opinion on that but if you want to analogize this to the beginning of a season i think you're actually going to see higher intensity basketball well and especially because the adjustments like one of the big things that makes early season basketball sometimes seem sloppy is that guys haven't played with each other and there will be certain circumstances like in portland where that hasn't happened as much but a lot of this is going to be it's it's like if you were coming back like when they do i'm thinking about this in terms of grades when they have it like a teacher that follows a group or whatever that that you have the same you have the same class for a second year in a row and so everybody kind of gets where things are going and gets how things are going to work and so it is a very different form of a hiatus from that perspective that teams know what they're going to run they have familiarity with the system and other than a few you know like trade deadline guys and 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 there aren't that many of those on the best teams i think there's going to be it's a different level of continuity and that gets into something else that's interesting here which i thought this is where i thought you were going to go in terms of like analogizing this to the lockout seasons is that teams with continuity often do really well and really this time other than the teams that are integrating guys from injuries it's going to be a lot of a lot of continuity so there isn't that there'll be different adjustments but it won't be that kind of adjustment where do you want to go next here oh because it's, it's kind of it's sort of along these lines uh for bucks and 62 who would you have winning in a six-team play-in tournament involving basically it's the West teams that were on the fringe. So Memphis, New Orleans, Portland, Sacramento, San Antonio, and Phoenix. And why I wanted to do this one now is this is a great, like that idea ties in with what we were just talking about, about getting guys back from injury. Because if we were to say this six-team tournament happened on March, was that March 7th, March 15th? Whatever whatever day it was that this all stopped. March 11th. March 11th, that it all stopped. If this tournament started on March 13th or 14th, I would have said New Orleans because they were looking good. They had they had 
their pretty much their full complement of players. I, I think they had a couple of a couple of guys that were dealing with with some things, but not as much. But now I'm much more intrigued by Portland because Portland added guys that they needed and that are really good basketball players. So I think I still might go with New Orleans, but Portland to me moves into the second spot where I wouldn't have had them even close to that beforehand. Yeah, I think I would say the two best teams, the two most talented teams are New Orleans and Portland. We still have no idea what Yusuf Nurkic is going to look like, but I mean that Portland team was playing at well over a 50 win pace last year and I think Trevor Ariza can largely mirror the production that they got from guys like Harkless and Aminu last year. They'll probably play big a little bit more with Collins at the four. Hopefully he'll be able to get back into shape with coming back from that shoulder issue and they still got Hassan Whiteside as a backup center as well. Lillard was playing amazing. He's if anything was having a better season than he had last year. They don't have Ronnie Hood anymore. That's a little bit of a problem and they don't have Seth Curry anymore. Their backcourt depth is not as good as it was last year but they clearly have by far the best player of this group. Memphis is going to be reinstituting or or I should say integrating uh, Justice Winslow for the first time. It is good that Jaron Jackson is back from injury and so is Brandon Clark but New Orleans just has a, a ton of talent. I expect Zion to be fresh. I actually expect that Zion because he's been coming into the facility. I expect Zion to come back and look more explosive than he did when he came back from that injury. I thought as well as he was playing yet his explosiveness was actually down a little bit and you know again subject to change if he comes in he weighs 350 but I I think that those two teams to me have the highest upside of this group and I'm not counting out Memphis either and I think they're capable of playing very well and be interested to see if uh, how John Morant looks uh, at this point I mean it's uh I'm sure we'll find out a lot more about like what everyone's been doing once uh, the restart happens but I'd say I I agree with you I think Portland and New Orleans to me are the ones that I would expect to be playing the best when we begin I also want to mention I think Phoenix because they didn't really have their their full squad that often that's true they had some moments of playing really really well yeah I I think yeah they're probably around the same level for me as Memphis where it's like they could figure it out and if they figure it out they could be in in that top tier they just don't they they need to prove it a little bit more than than Portland and New Orleans for various reasons already have I mean Portland with Lillard and New Orleans already did it for a a portion of the season but yeah I I I don't I wanted to make sure that we talked about them because yeah there were times where it looked like they were damn good um Uh, yeah go ahead sorry. sorry I was gonna do one from from the Daniel 1999 uh which teams do you think will have the biggest difference in terms of win totals for next season either better or worse we'll do this more you know like not using the the numbers of the abbreviated season and I also want to acknowledge the Warriors are first for this I mean but I don't think we need to spend as much time because they went 15 and 50 and they're going to presumably be at least slightly healthier for next season than they were for this one so if we're kind of excluding the Warriors from this conversation um minnesota who, who do you think could be oh so you want to do who do you think might get better first? yeah let's do better first you, okay. you can you could start um wizards bulls and hawks i would all expect to take some amount of a step forward nets also yes. would be another one with kd um i don't really see any of the top six in the east going anywhere unless there's like some trade due to luxury tax concerns on like the sixers or celtics so i think those teams will stick around but yeah i think nets wizards bulls and hawks are all pretty good bets to be better hawks have a ton of 
cap space that they can use to get better and they're going to try to use it it sounds like and they're just they're not they're going to actually presumably have a backup point guard they already have a bunch of centers uh, on their roster they're not going to be as young so you know you're, you're not going to be giving all these minutes to rookie wing players who just can't play at all I, I expect the Hawks to be significantly better and hopefully a playoff threat next year I think to at least get to the point where a lot of people thought they're going to get this year which we knew because of the holes that they had wasn't going to happen and, and the Bulls again you know they'll probably have better coaching next year they all have young players who could take a step forward I accept more of a step forward from the Hawks and the Bulls and the Wizards will have John Wall back I think they're going to re-sign everyone um maybe they can shore up the defense a little bit so I, I would expect them to be better I mean I think the, all all of those teams can at least have a, a fighting chance to get to around 500 next year and the Nets I will be a solid playoff team I would KD I have two more to add and they're the two teams we just talked about in the last question Portland and New Orleans they each had a non-representative sample this year Portland was missing one of their best players for the entire the entire season so far and New Orleans didn't really have the whole thing together for very long but they looked a lot better and I expect that those teams will look closer to whole for a larger portion of the season and when you really start to put together and this will turn into who we think could get worse that starts to paint the picture of a more of that you know 48 win Suns team on the way out kind of a playoff setting at full strength now we know team not everybody's going to be full strength for the entirety of the 2020 slash 21 season but i don't see any of the top seven in the west maybe uh okay okc would probably be the only one like yeah that's the other one that other really than health like yeah but the other like the other six you know there's full reason to believe that all of them will be very good next season i could see the jazz taking a step back there's even talk about that gobert could get traded rockets how long can they just go on with this small ball that everyone on that team is getting over older nuggets don't really have a a great way to move forward except maybe with internal improvement but they've also won more games than their point differential would have suggested i think the spurs are going to get a lot worse i think they're going to really embrace the rebuild you would have to imagine pop might not even be back at this point i can't imagine that this crisis is exactly whetting his appetite to coach more especially with everything that he's been through um yeah i mean it does seem like there's a lot of teams that have a hope of getting better here here's a fun one that might get a lot worse the charlotte hornets they out oh yeah they out they've they've been really lucky this year they outperformed their point differential by four wins which is ridiculous and there isn't you know you don't really see much of a reason for that to continue moving forward and and i like Devontae graham they were in in some ways a positive story and also they can improve this year but it's a pretty weak draft class and they they have some guys that are gonna get better but i don't think they have any like budding superstars so i could see you know the regression to the mean and the oh and just and then also the gravity starts to pull them down in a way that it didn't this year but it would in a full 82 yeah and obviously there's going to be the teams like the warriors this year that just get completely destroyed by injuries we don't know who those teams are going to be yet um i mean i guess one nice thing about this restart is it's just less time for players to get injured before next season right like there's a a greater chance that you're hopefully you won't see as many injuries um down the end of the season hopefully um at least that that are severe i think the magic could be worse next year as well just because the rest of the east will be better there just won't be as many easy wins 
Pistons will be worse, I think, on a point differential basis, but because they've been a really unlucky team this year, I think they've won almost five games fewer than expected, that their actual record may not change that much. I, I want to throw one more out there. Dallas. Oh, Dallas yeah. on the other side. Dallas is 40 and 27. They actually underperformed their point differential by the second most in the league by, behind the Pistons. I don't think they're going to be like something totally crazy, but they were the league's best offense this year. And if they're even passable on defense, they'll be very good. Oh, I got another one for you too. I don't think the Lakers are going to be on a 63 and 19 pace next year. I mean, with LeBron being older, some of their role players getting over, older, they don't really have much flexibility to get better. They've been extremely lucky with health this year overall. Um, and they're just, they come out very motivated with basically LeBron and AD having like not played for six months before the season with neither of them being the playoffs and AD basically not playing the second half of the year. So um, I guess the other thing you might throw in there too is any team whoever makes it deep in the playoffs this year with a, a short off season we'll have to see how fatiguing it is maybe it won't be that bad for these teams considering they they're uh they're gonna have had this long rest and you're really just going into uh about a two-month sprint or so uh what's next here i want to do this one from 405 fan and it gets at something that i've been very interested in this actually came up in the uh, conversation for real jam radio that it with jared dubin last week which is will the 2021 sorry the 2020 slash 21 season potentially start again to December affect the 2021 slash 22 season start date? And the answer is for right now, we don't know. There are some competing pressures in different directions on that. You know, if they if they're trying to make the most money, trying to get back revenue, then you want to you want to do a full season if you can. However, you also might want to set up the 21-22 season to if that's you know post hopefully post vaccine, maybe things can get back to normal. So ma- make sure you maximize that. Another potential pressure is the Olympics. Not only because some of the players would want to participate, should it happen on the schedule, I believe that would be in July of 2021, but also because the NBA would be competing with it for ratings if the season is still going into July. My, But the biggest reason why my instinct is it will be a truncated 2020-21 season is because if you don't do it then, it's going to be very hard to switch it back, and I don't think the NBA is going to know or have the confidence that it's going to work to just commit to that for multiple seasons. Because if you say, we're starting in December and we're going all 82, then you're basically on a December slate from here on out. And maybe maybe that ends up working out. Maybe some of the reasons that people involved in the enterprise don't like that idea, you know, that you don't have the summers off and everything else, maybe some of those concerns go by the wayside. But my instinct is that the NBA won't want to commit to that whole hog by doing a full 82. I think what's going to determine it is whether it seems possible that they're going to have fans next year. If it looks like there are big questions about being able to have fans or have all of the fans, then I think you're much more likely to see a truncated 2021 and they'll try to say, hey, we're not even making that much money on this anyway. Why are we going to drag this out? Let's get back on our normal schedule and then by 21-22, we'll be able to have the full fans in the stands because why would you extend a season when you don't have fans at the expense of a season that's later on where you do have fans so that's that i think is going to be the biggest uh the biggest thing that's going to affect it um what else we got here uh from from dd buckets three do you think the non-playoff teams will hold practices if they don't have camp before the start next season that's an extremely long wait time to wait to gear up for next season my instinct is it's going to depend on what the jurisdictions say if it becomes allowed for gatherings of that nature to exist then i fully expect that they will do 
so. If that is not permitted, I don't think that they will. And you would know that the answer to that question far better than I would. Yeah, I mean, you may see there's been talk of having a fall league rather than a summer league. That one seems a little fraught with peril where you're bringing in people who are just like not even really part of the organization for a couple of weeks to all practice together. Maybe you might see something along the lines of players getting back in, having a mini camp for two or three weeks. Maybe you even would have some scrimmages of, you know, I, I think it even could be interesting to just, uh, I, I mean, I guess the problem is just that if there's COVID concerns, you're, they're just not going to want to do this. But if they're planning on having a season next year, presumably the COVID concerns will have reduced enough by like October or so where you could come in and have have a camp kind of similar to summer league, get your rookies integrated a little bit. Uh, I guess the problem there though, is that you're back so close to the start of the next season. If you're going to start on Christmas. Well, what, what I think it would be is that- kind of like a fall league in baseball where only the young guys play, you know, like you have a, th- that group. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying, Danny is like, by the time the draft and free agency and all that has happened. Oh, already, I get what you're saying. You're so close to the beginning of December. It's like, just start training camp at that point. Yeah. Maybe they get like an extra two weeks or something. Those yeah, players. So it's really, I think it would just need to be more, it probably just along the lines of the, the time that we're talking about here, where some of the teams are going to be doing this regular season that you might, I mean, probably what they would want to do maybe even is just bring everyone back at the same time as the other teams are doing their training camp and just have like a little mini camp for these teams and players at that point. I don't imagine that they would be trying to have teams play other teams during that period, but just to open the facility, have something that's mandatory to get everyone back in. And so, yeah, you're not going nine months, 10 months until your uh, your team is all together again. I mean, I, I do think that's a, a legitimate concern. They're going to try to avoid that in some way. But I mean, then then your other question is like, well, what about the guys who are about to be free agents? Like, do they, they don't, they're not going to want to go through that and like risk injury in a, in a mini camp for a team you're probably not even going to play for anymore. So would it just be guys who are under contract who would be required to come in? Would it all just be voluntary? They got a lot of stuff to work out with that. Um, but I do think there will ultimately be something. Uh, Charlie Zimmerman asked a question that I've been asked a lot and have never given a good answer to, which is which teams benefit and are hurt by the hiatus? The, the, there are two parts to the answer. So one part is the things that we sort of know, which are the players, the teams who are getting players back from, or who are getting healthier players. So that could be guys that were injured who are recovering. Should, should we ask uh, Donald Rumsfeld what he thinks about this question? <laughs> so those those teams <laughs> like Portland, we, we know that for sure. And any anybody who, like Philly, it sounds like, is pro- might be in that boat if Ben Simmons is healthier than he would have been in the playoffs. But then there's the variance of who's out of shape, who's out of basketball shape. And that part, I just can't answer it right now. They're good. It's as some people would probably go like, oh, there's certain guys, you know, like the projecting the players that would get fat in a lockout or something like that. I think this is fundamentally different. I just don't know. Yeah, clearly it's the teams that would have been healthy. I think the teams that are most disadvantaged are probably the Lakers, both because of the loss of home court and especially in a matchup potentially against the Clippers, and also because they were really starting to play extremely well. Clippers were also really starting to gear up. Bucks, I think those three teams, the status quo was that those three teams were looking like the massive favorite and so now we're doing something different you'd expect the status quo to change in some way there's more uncertainty i think now than there was then and some of these none of those teams had big injuries that they had where Giannis was having a little bit of issue with his knee but i'm sure they would have rested him down the stretch i don't think that would have been that big of a deal um so yeah i think that those three teams because when you're on top of the hill and then the parameters change 
change, there's more of a chance that what made you be on top of the hill is not going to operate as much anymore. So the last question I definitely want to do is... Oh, 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 I, I, there's Pelicans too. It's another one. Yes. I mean, they, they were they were favored by some projection systems to be the eighth seed. They had this really easy schedule and the Grizz had a really hard schedule. And now the Pels absolutely are not favored to make the playoffs anymore the way they were before. Yeah, and, and Memphis, let's say they skate into the Memphis, they skate into the eighth seed. Then they get the, you know, there could be a couple games worse, even though the best performing of those teams, then they, as long as they can hold on to that and they're three and a half games ahead, then they just have to win one out of two neutral site games functional yeah and i think the spurs the kings the blazers are benefited a little bit just because they only have to get to ninth now instead of eighth Mm -hmm. to at least give themselves a fighting chance so the last question I, I wanted to do um, for this, and we'll we'll cover all the team specific stuff in the uh, in the mailbag. And I thought this was a good kind of lead in eventually for when we do the West mailbag. Is a question from Alex Monseth, which is hypothetically with full health and no major changes to current rosters, and we can even we, hell we can project changes if we want to. We can do whatever makes us happy. Which teams will make the playoffs in the Western Conference next year? So I think one way to, to like I, I think we should kind of do this in tiers. I think that's the most fair way of like in terms of likelihood like probably in unless something crazy happens have an argument or however we want to see the split okay so who's in your tier one lakers clippers i think that's it for me yeah i would say that's those are the only two where it's like it's almost impossible for me to envision a scenario other than catastrophic injury and then yeah and their players are not they've got enough depth their players don't necessarily get injured as much yeah my hard to imagine the nuggets not yeah that's that would they were the team that i was most torn on not because i think they're the best team but if the threshold is just making it in i think i think it's it's less Jokic and again not major injuries and then my probably in tier is mostly what, like what about golden state there i have them in the probably in tier you, would you so you would give the nuggets a better chance than golden state i think i mean if we were assuming full health i would give the warriors a better chance but i just think that they're there they have more of a chance of getting sidetracked by injuries than the nuggets do yeah and also i mean the the question assumed no major changes but where the warriors the warriors financial picture is going to be huge i mean if they use every avenue available to them they withstand injuries a lot better also just don't know whether like clay thompson and dream on green are any good anymore compared to what they used to be that's another major question yeah it, it, to me the difference of aging and, and injury injury uncertainty because their players have dealt with more of them than nuggets the nuggets have and they're older that puts them a little bit different and then so the other teams i would have there i have the rockets there because i think they'll they'll be good they'll be good when healthy and there's a distinct chance mike d'antoni's not their coach so that gives a little variance and i'd have dallas in that group yeah. as well i think that their offense there's no reason to believe their offense won't be great again and if their defense is just fine then they're in the playoffs so so who are our eight here so that would be lakers clippers nuggets warriors rockets, rockets mavericks Mav. so that's that's so six that's six so we got i'm gonna kick the thunder out i mean i think he he said no major changes so that to, and bogdanovich to be back so i think the jazz have got to be in there like they're just too quinn snyder is too good a coach like he's not gonna let him uh, miss the playoffs they've, they've got a, a fair amount of talent um so that's seven who are our remaining contenders pels blazers grizz yeah and optimist could say the kings or the suns or probably that's it yeah i mean but like they could make it yeah. but if we're picking the eight blazers pels those the, that's yeah. that's the two oh 
Oh man. Um, how crazy is that that the Pels we, we would be favoring the Pels to make the playoffs next year? I think the Pels could also have some turnover. Like we could maybe we could see a Drew Holiday trade. Maybe they could just decide they're gonna slow play it a little bit more around Zion. So I probably go Blazers. I think the but I, I, think, I think the Blazers have a higher floor and maybe a lower ceiling, but the higher floor matters here. Yeah, but there are definitely some teams with some disaster potential among those playoff teams that we picked. Oh yeah. Does that more disaster potential, I think, in terms of personnel turnover necessarily than it just totally going wrong. Yeah, and then there's also the injury potential just for anybody. So yeah, I mean I, I think right. it's I think it's totally plausible that the both the Blazers and Pelicans make the playoffs as the eighth and ninth best teams on paper. Also we might be underrating both of those teams relative to like what we think their 2020 slash 21 roster is going to look like. Like I mean the they and both of them finished, you know, 28 and 29 wins respectively. But if they were playing what we think is their full complement, they they look more like, you know, 40 51 teams. Like 45 to 51. All right, I think we can wrap it up here. Anything else you got to talk about before we go? Yeah, I did a uh, a real gym radio podcast with Curtis Harris Pro Hoops History talking about the history of activism in pro basketball mostly the nba and a little bit on other sports too he's an expert on that he's one of the more socially conscious guys that i know yeah and he studies and he he's really studied the history of sports and so we i I reached out to him and he's like oh yeah i'd love to i'd love to do that and so it was a a really fascinating conversation so that's really the the second half and the first half we talked about you know approaches and and ways of thinking about challenges and so i thought it was i was a podcast i really wanted to do and i thought that having him on was was really serendipitous all right well for those of you who are patreon subscribers that is going to be coming later this week patreon.com slash duncan the also if you're a supporter of the covid daily news we appreciate that that show is still going actually had a an awesome kind of different guest uh, on there uh balaji srinivasian who was one of the first people to see the covid crisis coming and he, he's got we talked a lot about you know he's a very forward-thinking guy as an angel investor so we talked a lot about where he sees things going in the next five years uh, or so so hopefully y'all can give that a listen and we'll talk to you next week till then